Hi, and welcome back to the... Oh my god, nope, I almost said Prodigal Sons. Yeah, baby! Prodigal Sons is back! Yeah. Outtakes. Hi, and welcome back to the Prime Defective Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Brian, and with me, as always, is Jared Jolon True. Jared? Caldor Joy, Brian. No, I do not accept your greeting. <laughs> why? We're doing, Jol- a, we're doing a Deep Space Nine episode. I'll never remember it, that's why. You're lucky I remembered Stargazer last week. You want me to remember Caldor Joy? It sounds like a, it sounds like a, uh, a store from the 80s. <laughs> Caldor, I think that was a store in the Caldor, 80s, yeah, it? it was a great store. Yeah, so this is Caldor Joy. That's all I could think of now. Anyway, all right, Joel welcome back. Joel true, sir. Um, we, uh, as you hopefully remember, we started this podcast <laughs> up again. If you can check back to our episode last week where we uh, discussed the return of our podcast and how we will proceed going forward rather than a linear travel through uh, TNG and possibly other uh, series. We're actually going to take all of the series together and pick an episode at random on a Dabo wheel. It's like we're going and, into the Nexus, Brian, where time uh, has no meaning oof. and we're coming out at different points. Get what I'm I saying? Still like, yeah, I, I know you're trying to tie it to Star Trek, but I still like the Quantum Leap. Uh, or Quantum <laughs> Leap. We can do that, too. Anytime we do an Enterprise episode, it'll be a Quantum Leap reference. Sure. So, so that's what we're doing, and last week, uh, the spin, the first spin of the Daba Wheel landed us on... The most uh, un-Star Trek episode uh, ever written. Dude, like, I just... I, well, obviously, we'll talk about it, but man, oh man, I was like, if I was just jumping into this show, I would think that Star Trek is a completely different thing. I don't understand why this is like this. We just need to pad, 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 and fill out the season. Um, but before we get into the episode is... Uh, do do you have any news? I, I'm going to ask. I'll ask every week. Not that I know if there's any uh, Star Trek news to talk about, but due to COVID, there's a lot being not going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, the only thing really going on is uh, season three Discovery is coming out soon. Yeah. Um. We know that. By the way, Brian shares that sentiment. I do not. <laughs> um. Uh, Picard just wrapped up, so we won't be seeing that for a while, even though they said there's a season two. There's those animated shows. Who knows? Maybe a Pike spinoff. Who knows? Um, Maybe a fourth movie with the Kelvin timeline. Who knows? Other than (laughs) that, really nothing. The only thing I can honestly tell you is that the Quentin Tarantino movie is not happening. Yeah, that's a bummer. I'd like to see what he was going to do with it. (sighs) And and the only reason I say that is because... The way he's made movies, uh, you know, his past movies have been like an alternate history type of storyline. And it would be great if he took a known history, which I know obviously that's what the Kelvin timeline has basically been doing, even though it's an alternate timeline. But taking a known history in the prime universe of Star Trek and putting a twist on it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That'd be interesting for a comic book for me. A whole movie production on that like i don't know what quentin tarantino could bring to star trek that i would want you know i don't know 
It's just a weird idea. And apparently it was just something that he said off the cuff, and then Paramount or CBS or whoever was like, oh, shit! Quentin Tarantino? You know. But I I had a feeling that that was never going to go. An R-rated Star Trek movie? Why? Get some of them them hot green chicks to get naked. I guess so. You know what probably happened? Maybe he was all on board, and then Discovery dropped that first F-bomb in Star Trek ever in season one. He was like, ah, Matt, you beat me to the punch. (laughs) We need a Kevin Smith uh, directed uh, Star Trek movie. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, why? Don't, yeah, why don't we get all weird directors to? Why don't we get a David Lynch directed Star Trek movie? Why not instead of the uh, the? Um, oh my god, I'm so terrible. I forget names. The the fucking other Star Trek show that's on TV that's been Picard. No, no actual. Oh, TV. Orville. Yeah, the Orville. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, I would go for that. I would go for a Seth MacFarlane-directed Star Trek movie. Right. Get him to direct an actual Star Trek film, since he's basically just making Star Trek anyway. Yeah. Um, that has been... Like, that's not... There's, has there been a new season of that? That was, like, put no, off a season, there right? Was, something happened, because uh, you remember it was on Fox, and now it's a Hulu-exclusive show. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so something happened. I mean, they're definitely working on season three, but uh, who knows? what's going on especially with disney buying fox and who that you know they own part of hulu now it's insane because i guess fox had a hand in hulu right well so did disney because abc was part of hulu right so they, they i guess already they, had, own, they, I guess they own more of hulu now <laughs> yes yes that's exactly what it is soon they're gonna own this show <laughs> nobody wants this show dude anyway bob so, Iger, uh, 10 bucks you can have this show <laughs> <laughs> a hot cup of coffee We'll split one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, the Dabo Wheel uh, spin last week landed us on season six of Deep Space Nine, an episode called Honor Among Thieves. Uh, this was directed by Alan Eastman and written by Rick Berman and other people. It says Gene Roddenberry, but obviously he was dead at this point, so that he's just kind of a... I don't know why a, they put him on there. Yeah. It was written by Rick... Berman and like I said, Philip Kim is the story. Anyway, I don't really care, honestly. Oh, wait this... till we, wait till I tell you the original idea for the story before we got the the most interesting and totally not ripped off storyline that they used. Uh, so when we talk about these episodes, since we're hoping that people have actually watched along with us, uh, we're going to give a, a small synopsis. We're not going to obviously call out the storyline by detail by detail but yeah if you want to just do a quick synopsis and then at the end once we're done i could tell you the alternate story and some production notes and whatever on it and then we could okay. summarize our final thoughts i guess but so the so the cliff notes uh summary of this episode is uh miles o'brien chief o'brien chief o'brien is undercover Mm-hmm. Question mark. As uh, investigating a cartel, the Orion Syndicate. The Orion Syndicate. Sorry, uh, I dude. I by the way, watching this, I will not remember any names of anything. Okay. Uh, so when I say a cartel, obviously I mean the Orion Syndicate. You know all the names. Well, since I had to watch it twice, <laughs> basically, uh, I'm pretty sure it's the Orion Syndicate. It is. Okay, which uh, is interesting because the Orion Syndicate uh, is technically 
at least I thought in lore, the green aliens. The like the Orion slave girls and the and the bald headed green guys that look like little hulks. Is that the actual syndicate though? Like you mean they're part you mean the syndicate is from that race? Is that that's what, what I th- that's what I thought. Like like you know, you have the Klingon Empire, you have the Federation, and then you have the Orion Syndicate. That's what I thought. I could be wrong. Hmm. I honestly don't know. I would never even put it together until no. you just said it. Because um, um, I, I know it's brought up in Enterprise, and I'm sure it's brought up in uh, the original series. I'll have to look that up. So Miles O'Brien is undercover to find out some information about the syndicate. Uh, the individual, he uh, he works his way into the syndicate uh, dubiously and gains the trust of the leader, to which Miles catches feels for and in the end tries to save him from being killed and admits that he was undercover all along the end it really is it's such such a filler not only is it there's so many questions about this yes that don't make any sense one it is an absolute ripoff of fucking donnie brasco (laughs) right so uh once you said that last week i looked it up donnie brasco came out almost a year to the day uh before this episode aired so they had plenty of time to crib from it Mm -hmm. uh it's I. I don't know how you hand this in and, and everybody doesn't look at it. It's not like Donnie Brasco was a twenty-five-year-old movie at this point. It came out a year before this. Like you're sitting and, around the writers' room. Does nobody go? Oh, all right. And the machinations to make it happen. That's the other thing I don't understand. Because you're right. It's it's a filler episode in the sense that it adds. It is not a Star Trek episode. Because it has no, nothing to do with science not. fiction in, in any way. And, it, um, go ahead, sorry. And it kind of ties into the overall story arc of the Dominion War, briefly, at, towards the end, but never pans out to be anything. Right, so that's what I was going to ask. So, uh, along the way, we find out that the Orion Syndicate is actually working with, uh, um, not the Cardassians, the... Um, Dominion. Thank you, the Dominion. But what are, the, what are the name of the... The, the Vorda. There's a Vorda. The Vorda. Yes. Uh, again, I do like Star Trek. I'm terrible with names. Uh, so there's a Vorda that comes in and talks to them. So Miles reports back that uh, the Orion are talking... The Orion Syndicate is talking to the Vorda, which ties them to the Dominion. And they have some kind of hand. It's like like they're trying to use them, I guess, as local enforcement, or they're trying to use them for something. I don't know. I, guess, I guess this is akin to, like, it, during the Cold War, the Russians working with the mob in America. <laughs> Right, so we find out that they're actually trying to use the Orion Syndicate to stir stir up trouble and uh, assassinate the leader of the Klingon Empire. No, the and, the ambassador to the planet that they're on. Sure, why not, dude? <laughs> it's so. <laughs> well, you're trying to say he's trying to kill uh, General Gowron, man. Now, come on, that's a bigger deal. It's. I heard Klingon and assassinate, and I just was like, all right, fine. It's I kind of watched this episode out of the corner of my eye. I will not lie. It's it 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 it's just such a not episode. So there even, is even right. with somebody who actually watches this series the whole way through, like you just turn this episode on, and be like, yeah, I like I like Miles. I like uh, an episode based on Miles. And then you're like, what is this garbage? What I don't understand is, like I said, it does sort of tie in to the main story arc at the end, but to, to have no repercussions, it never comes up again. There is an episode that does sort of follow up on this in season seven, but it's an Ezri Dax episode. It's not really an O'Brien episode. 
mm-hmm. and nor does it really tie into the Dominion bullshit. So what I can't figure out is because you you ever heard of the of bottle episodes? Yeah, right. Uh, if you don't know, a bottle episode is when they're trying to save money and cost, so the episode takes place primarily on the ship or space station, I guess, in Deep Space Nine's case, and doesn't really feature any guest stars or anything like that. It's all the regulars, so it's a cost-saving measure, right? Um, it's bottle- filler. It, it's, not but- even just being a cost-saving measure. They were expected to make 24 episodes a season, and they're like, we can't have everything tie back. And right, just but it, throw shit out there. But a bo- but a bottle episode is mainly used for cost saving. It's like okay, we have an episode twelve. There's a big battle and a lot of phaser shots that cost a lot of money. So episode thirteen is going to be a ship episode or a bottle episode where there's not a lot of special effects, you know. And it, it who knows? It'll probably just be a boring human interest story, mm-hmm. right? But. What I don't get about this, and they're not so much filler as they are, well, it's hard to say because on TNG, there wasn't a lot of overarching story arcs, so every episode was, in a sense, a bottle episode where everything was back to normal. But you have this episode, they make new sets, right? At least three new sets, hire a bunch of extras for this. This was like, not to say that this was super heavy on special effects, um, but it, they certainly didn't save money on this episode. <laughs> to, right. and, and again, to what end? To, to tell the Donnie Brasco story? It, it, yeah, it makes zero sense in every respect. Um, we don't know why Miles... Oh, like, that's... Why, why was Miles tapped? How... Like what? What was his qualification other than being a, you know, he knows mechanical stuff, and that was his in. Well, uh, it, the the original the plot part of it, why he's in there again, is it's not that he's trying to get information; is that they're killing off undercover Starfleet agents. That's and, why his right, original, his right, was his original, is, and he's thing. brought in because there's no agents left, or they need somebody who's not an agent. Which is fine, but why are you randomly picking the chief engineer of Deep Space Nine, who, again, we haven't heard anything about him having any kind of intelligence qualifications or undercover work. Like, they couldn't even throw in a line at the beginning of the episode to be like, well, we know back when you were on blankety blank, you went undercover, you know, you have some experience with this. Right, and, like, it's not his mechanical know-how that... Is you like it's, that's not one of his qualifications because he generates a reason for him to be ingratiated yeah. into the syndicate by using his mechanical know-how, and then just so happens that he becomes uh, useful to them in fixing the disruptor rifles. Another mechanical thing that they had no knowledge of before him going in there. It was just happy happenstance, right? And anybody could have done that because he basically handed the rifles back to the intelligence agents and they fixed them. That's true. So, friggin', you know, Quark could have done it. Also, <laughs> du- also dubious, Miles basically puts a guy's life at risk in order to get himself ingratiated into the syndicate. Well, these are scumbag mafia guys. Who cares? <laughs> well, that's I. I doesn't seem like something that Miles would do. I don't know. 
it's, Miles basically almost shocks a guy to death and then turns it off. But, I mean, what happens if something went wrong? He would have just killed the dude. And he laughed about it <laughs> when he was telling the, his handler. He's like, how'd you get in? He's like, yo, I spiked that mofo right in the head. <laughs> so maybe this was to give Miles a, a dark edge. <laughs> I don't know. That? He almost killed a guy. Well, that was not their in the initial intent because their initial intent was to write a story to have a father son relationship between him and Bilby. Bilby, yes the 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 local head of the syndicate. Right, and so much so that there was actually an actor who was originally tasked to play that character, but died uh, several days before they were able to shoot. So they brought in the guy who played Bilby in this episode. His name's Nick Tate because uh, he lost out the role. But the other guy apparently looked a lot like Colmini. Oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense. I, in the, in, well, kind of, I guess. I, I guess so. Nothing I mean, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really an odd pick. I mean, I understand they're trying to do an O'Brien episode, and they love to torture this guy. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. And, you know, they were like, oh, we're going to give what they were saying. is like, we want to give him a good acting to get his, sink his teeth into. And, you know, he was, even Coleman, he was like, I've had much better episodes where I've been, like, tortured, and that was easier. This was nothing. I just sat there, you know, ate some cake, and, you know, <laughs> turned down a hooker. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> ate some dry cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, he, he, and, again, here's the other thing I don't understand. You know, besides the fact that they, they tasked him to do this and not, like, Cisco or... Even Quark. Wouldn't Quark have been a better pick for this? Not that he would have worked for the Federation, but Quark trying to infiltrate some kind of mafia ring. And no one trusts Ferengi, though. Right, but, you know, for, for whatever reason. But anyway, so oh, these three guys, these this little mafia crew, uh, they live on this horrible planet called, uh, what is the name of the planet? Like Farius or something like that? I don't remember, honestly. Right? And obviously Bilby's a human. And yes. um, he's got he the, the big thing about this is that he's constantly talking about his family that lives back on New Sydney, which we don't know where that is, but we assume it's not on Earth, <laughs> right? And he's trying to provide for his family. Now it is well established in uh, in other previous episodes of Deep Space Nine and TNG that Earth is referred to as paradise, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Nobody goes for want for anything. Why doesn't Bilby just go back to Earth? Uh, maybe I mean, we don't know. They, they couldn't go that far into it in this episode. Maybe I, he's a, wa- a right. wanted man. Maybe he's uh... no, no, no. I'm just saying. I mean, I understand from a story standpoint, you have to do something like that to make him want to be there. But this always goes back to the economics and lifestyle in Star Trek. That no strife, right? Well, it just doesn't. Ju- it doesn't jive a lot of times. Like. Why would anybody be in Starfleet and and get a shit job scrubbing plasma conduits for no that's money? That's how you earn your keep. Right. No, but that's not how. You don't have to have a job in the Federation. I'm doing my part. Like, that's okay. <laughs> like, for instance, like, uh, Captain Sisko's father runs a restaurant on Earth. It's free. You go in there, you don't pay for the food. It's just free. That's his desire. Right. So Maybe wh- some guy's desire is to fucking mop the jizz the jizz palace. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I, right? <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, 
Bilby is not in a good situation, right? He lives in this tiny little apartment. He lives on this crappy planet. Go back to Earth, Bilby. But I'm saying maybe they probably he can't. Have, they probably like what? Like there's like well yeah maybe like but again say something like put a line in there be like I right, go back to Earth if I could but there's 15 warrants for my arrest for shipping blah blah blah. But they need to move the story along. So you just have to guess that from the fact that he's already doing bad shit. Right. I get that. Um. And again, I I know I know from a story standpoint, you don't need to do all that. You just okay, he's a mob guy and that's that. But it always bucks up against that information that we know about Earth. Even even if, even going to prison in the Federation is better than living on that planet. <laughs> right? Well, let's talk about too that the so we're talking about like kind of communicating information in this story and questions like the you the eloquence of the first 20 seconds of this episode you know exactly what kind of shithole you're in because it opens up with a man walking through, which it turns out to be a waiter or whatever. And the table he goes over to, they're drinking, playing cards and doing drugs. <laughs> and it's dark and dank. And so you mm-hmm. immediately know that you're in a fucking shithole, uh, whether it's a bar or a, a, like a den of thieves or whatever. Like, you know that it's a bad place. Mm-hmm. So, I I enjoyed that. It was, you know, the the whole show don't tell. The first 20 seconds, you knew exactly what we were in for. And then it all went sideways. I mean, you know, I probably would have accepted this episode a little bit more if it had some repercussions later on. Down the line. Like, they're setting something up here with this. You know, that's the one thing I always liked about Deep Space Nine is that they... There's, like, multiple problems going on. Like, the Dominion, the Maquis, the Klingons are an issue for a while. You know, hey, add this mob thing into the mix that they're working with the Dominion. That'd be cool. <laughs> uh, also, the I, I'm going to say B storyline, which there is zero. It's one the, scene, right? It's one whole scene. Like it must be like, oh, we're contractually obligated to put all of these characters in every episode, <laughs> so we need to cut back to DS9 for two minutes. And show all the shit that's going wrong on the on DS9 because the uh, chief engineer's not there, and it's it's so weird. Like it, the whole thing is just weird. And I don't know like, how true that is because Jake wasn't in this episode. I don't even did was Quark, did Quark show up? Yeah, Quark was there. Quark okay. came in and complained about shit going. Ah, that's on. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fire, re- the fire repressant. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Quark, Odo, Kara, uh, Cisco, and uh, Bashir. And Worf and, and Dax. You forgot that. Yes, and Worf and Dax because they were coming up the elevator. So, yeah, Jake. But Jake wasn't in every episode. No, he's... But he's a main character. Like, he's in the credits. Yeah, but he had already been established to not be in almost every episode. Well, funny you should mention that because this whole episode was a, was originally supposed to be about Jake. Oh, segue. Yeah, you like that? So, the mm. original story for this, and actually sort of sounds a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. Is that Jake saves the daughter of the Orion Syndicate's leader. And due to his actions, Jake is befriended by a number of high-ranking Syndicate members. And at first he loves it, with his new friends able to get him anything he wants, whenever he wants. However, Jake and Nog, Nog would have been in this episode, who is now part of Starfleet. I believe he's, I don't know if he's an ensign yet, or if he's still a cadet. Uh, They have an argument about it the next day, and then 
Nog gets the shit kicked out of him <laughs> by the syndicate guys. And Jake realizes he's uh, on something he can't control. He goes to his dad for help. Um, there was a comic element of the story to come from the fact that Jake is trying to extradite himself from the syndicate. Uh, while Quirk is trying to work his way into it <laughs> at the same time. Mm-hmm. So he decides to become Jake's new best friend. Ultimately, however, it turned out the whole situation with the daughter has been set up by a member of the organization trying to stop, trying to usurp power for himself. I feel like I would have liked Wait. that episode more. I don't know. Yeah, what is the, the ending of that? Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll read the sentence to you again. <laughs> Ultimately, however, it turns out the whole situation with the daughter had been set up by a member of the organization trying to usurp power for himself. Oh, a member. Not right, the, yeah. Okay, yeah. so, so, but what a weird setup. So, the the guy in the organization put the daughter in danger, or... It might have been a low-level guy set it up so he could, uh... Like, he yeah, was supposed yeah. to be the... Maybe he was supposed to be the one to save her, and Jake ended up saving her instead. Uh, that could be it, too. Yeah, maybe that's it. Weird. Or anyway, maybe he was just going to kill the daughter and he was going to take over power then. I do like an episode where Jake's trying to get out of it and Quark's trying to get in. Yeah, that's uh let me out, let me out, let us in, let us in kind of thing. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, again, this episode, it's 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 bad for certain reasons, but I mean, it's not horrible. It's not uh, Tom Paris kidnaps Captain Janeway and they have salamander babies together bad. <laughs> no, it definitely is not. Uh, but it's boring. For the most part, at least in my opinion. But as far as having the salamanders, at least isn't that's at least mentioned again in Voyager, isn't it? Mm-mm. That's never it's, brought up again. <laughs> it's never brought up again that he was turned that they became salamanders. Nope. Oh, I thought maybe it was because then that would be more canonic, canonical than this. Well, episode. no, be, no, because this episode is brought up again. That's true. You know, it's it's an Ezri Dax episode, but um, uh, I think O'Brien goes searching for. Goes to New Sydney. We go back to New Sydney. And uh, he's checking up on Bilby's wife and kids. And maybe the syndicate kidnaps him or something like that. And then Esri goes... It's really about Esri going home and dealing with her family than it is <laughs> finding O'Brien. And it's... Like, did the writers just go back and say, man, we gotta fill out more shit in season seven. Let's pull a thread on a crap story we did in season six to like oh, I don't know how do they pick this story to end up doing that with maybe for some maybe who I mean listen for all we know the guy who wrote this one wrote that one you know um and wanted to kind of bookend it maybe um but again ultimately nothing came out of it out of that one either at least I don't know I have never been able to make it through that whole episode Ezri Dax's family is bored the hell out of me in the end Unless you have more to add to this, this episode is, it's useless. It's, it has no bearing on anything. It's not even really a good character study of Chief O'Brien. No, it's not. Nor does it affect him in any way. No. Uh, we don't even see the cat. So, the, yeah, there's, <laughs> the other part of it is is that Bilby has a cat. And I was cat- going to ask that question. Okay, go ahead. To my knowledge, so at the end when we, you didn't even talk, Bilby goes and gets himself killed, knowing full well that he's going to die after after O'Brien reveals that he's working for Starfleet. Um, 
And at the end of the episode, O'Brien takes his cat. Well, I can't remember the cat's name. I think it was like Max or something was like that. Was it Charlotte? No. I don't know what for, it was. For all I know, the cat's name was Bilby. <laughs> <laughs> um, and O'Brien has the cat now as a pet. It is never seen again. Chester. Chester. I was close. Yeah. I knew it started with a C. Chester. The cat is I was going to ask again. you, yeah, do we ever see that cat again? So no, that cat's around for a season and a half, supposedly. It's It lives in the cat room. I just assumed that there was an episode where Worf <laughs> ate it. <laughs> it got out into the hallways of the station. Worf stumbled across it, looked around his shoulder. Nobody was there. He ate the cat. Alf shows up and eats the cat. There you go. <laughs> Alf is from New Sydney as well. <laughs> oh, Mr. Gordon Shumway. Uh, so, yeah, this... I also found that interesting that Bilby says to Miles to make sure you look after my cat, but never says, hey, do me a favor and look in on my family. Right. Or take care of them. Just my cat. Yeah. He didn't even mention anything about the cat, to be honest with you. O'Brien just did that on his own. No, he does. He says they. I thought he says take care of the cat. Does he say? Oh, he does he say look after. Yeah, he does say look after. He does not yeah. say look at my family. Right. <laughs> Bilby's a scumbag. On <laughs> oh. and off his wife's dry cake on everybody. I know as a test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he. That's the thing. Is like Bilby does not come off threatening at all. You know. Right. So how did he get into his place? Well, in the I, syndicate. right, and they're trying to play it off like he is. You know, where, he, where he's like, what, you don't like my wife's cake? I've been like, no, you little scrawny run. I don't like your wife's cake. What are you going to do about it? Uh, ultimately, it is so not a Star Trek episode. Yeah, I was bummed that this was our first episode. Yeah, it really is. I watching. mean, <laughs> oh, we didn't, you know, we didn't mention either. The, the Another weird thing is that apparently Deep Space Nine cannot run properly unless O'Brien is on it. <laughs> like, right. I imagine the, they have said, all the bugs and shit yeah, that were going on. I imagine they have teams of engineers, but this one guy's holding it together with, like, bubble gum and tape. But that's not the first time that's mentioned, I think. In the, I fir- think that in that's- the first season, it's brought up quite a bit. Yeah, because he's, like, working nonstop to... To in- integrate the Cardassian and, and, and uh, Federation technology, and they mention that in this episode too. Right. But I'm pretty sure that it is mentioned somewhere in the first season, couple seasons, like you said, that when he's not around or he's not actually he takes himself out of rotation, shit just doesn't work. Yeah. That's what this episode was all about. Like appreciate him. <laughs> not to, not he won't be there. I don't know, not to the comedic extent that it was in this one, where like everything was like blowing up around everybody. Yeah. And... I do enjoy Worf and Dax on the elevator, mm. and the elevator's not working. The, the lift. There was one other thing I was going to bring up here, and now I cannot remember what it was. Damn it! Well, do you want to hear a little trivia about the episode before we before we wrap this baby up? Sure. All Hit right. me. Uh, for you real nerds. Uh, there was a new transporter effect in this movie or episode when Ramus and Gelnon transport in. Uh, the planet that they were on, Farius Prime, was also mentioned in an episode, uh, the Maquis Part One. Um, the story of Morika Bilby—I guess that's Bilby's wife. 
and the Orion Syndicate is continued in Prodigal Daughter, which we know. Um, the Syndicate was mentioned in other episodes before. Um, though Worf, Dax, Bashir, Lita, and Quark visited Ryza in Season 5's Let Who... Let he who is without sin around the same time Bilby claims Ramus persuaded a Starfleet officer working on Ryza's weather control station to become an operator for the syndicate. There is no indication that this character was ever seen on screen. <laughs> uh, Gelnon was the Vorta who commanded the Jem'Hadar team who commanded the USS Defiant in the previous episode, One Little Ship. Oh, so that guy was around before in the episode prior to this. Yes, he is. He was a re- recurring character, but no, doesn't make a difference. Yeah. He was just the same person playing the same character. I mean, we don't even know. I guess he was playing the same character he was named. Yeah. Or was it just the same actor playing a Vorta? Maybe he didn't have a name in the prior episode. Mm. Um, and although the Syndicate failed in their attempt to make it look as though the Klingon ambassador who advocated a policy useful to the Dominion was killed by a political opponent, Garrick later used a similar tactic to bring the Romulans into the war on the side of the Federation. Which is a much better episode. Probably one of the best episodes of Star Trek ever made. Spoilers. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get to that one one day. Yeah. The next 660 episodes. Yep. Yeah, ultimately, not a great episode to start the show with off, but at least it's out of the way. (laughs) I do remember what I was going to say, though. You jogged my memory. Um, Quite possibly the most boring bank robbery scene put to film <laughs> yeah where you just stare at a screen and then three other guys stare at you yes. <laughs> they they hack a bank they virtually rob a bank by hacking it and it is it's it's so bad to <laughs> my like, knowledge either i don't think i've ever seen that technology used in any show after or before that the the thing where he has it on his neck and controls the stuff yeah in the system now I remember, like, once I started watching this episode, I remember that technology, but I just don't remember, I just don't know if I remembered it from this episode oh. <laughs> or from having seen it someplace else. But, I, like, I remembered it. It's like, oh, yeah. But now I can't recall if it was something that was from a pr- prior episode or used again, or it was from this one episode, which would be really weird for me to remember. What I can't figure out, what I was disturbing too, is that the actor who was the alien who had to think to his neck. He only had two emotions when he was doing this. One looked like he was having an orgasm, and the other one looked like he was in sheer terror. <laughs> like, yes. And I did not like it. I don't like his face. I didn't like anything about him. I was going to say, sometimes those two reactions do coincide. I guess so. But I loved his, uh, the other the other Weasley guy with the Fu Manchu mustache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Overall, not the greatest episode to no, start off with. No, no. But, like you said, we got it out of the way. And with that, friends, oh, are we spinning the wheel? We're gonna spin the wheel. Uh, let me bust out my Dabo wheel here. We're going to spin it. Insert Dabo wheel. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep saying that because I don't put the sound effect in because I can't. Oh, you find don't? It that good. No, I didn't put it in. Can uh, I, go, I have like, to find? Can it I go? Not even close. Yeah, just put a wheel spinning sound. It's a lot of bells and whistles and shit when it's spinning noise. Uh, all right, so we are going to do this, and the episode that we are going to watch next week, Jared, 
TNG, Season 7, Episode 10, Inheritance. Oh, wait. Let me see if I can remember this one. TNG, Episode... Season 7? Season 7, Episode 10, Inheritance. Inheritance? Hmm. Sounds like a Data episode. Uh, I couldn't tell you. I don't remember it often by name. But that's what we're watching, people. So go ahead, fire up your Hulu, or oh, you know, God, it's another boring episode. Great. God damn it. <laughs> Whose idea was this? We've, dude, we've crapped out twice so far. But then we're just getting, we're gonna have all a good run of of good ones then. Yeah. Now this is somewhat of an interesting episode, but it's not great. Well. I'll tell you all about it next week. Okay. <laughs> uh, so fire up your Hulus or pull out your uh, seasons Hulus. of TNG. Yeah, it's on Hulu. That's where I'm watching it. Um, season 7, Episode 10, Inheritance. And join us back here next time to listen to what we have to say about the episode. And feel free to write to us about any of these episodes. You can find us on Twitter at the Prime Def. Or you can email us at theprimedefective at gmail.com. Or feel free to put comments on our website, theprimedefective.com. Yes. We're also, we're also part of a network of podcasts. Mm. The Oh, my God. What? What's the name of this network again? Soon to be named network. We're there, too. Were you, what were you giving me the Oh, God about? Huh? Didn't you just say, Oh, God, what? I forgot. Did I, did I have a stroke? No, I, no, I definitely was wanting to comment on something, and then you threw me off when you said the network thing. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I wanted to say, uh, if you leave a comment, you could let us know what you thought about Donnie Brasco. Yes. Start, start uh, Space oh, Donnie Brasco. Rimshot. Everything's better. Everything's better with space in front of it. Yes. Uh, so, until next time, Joel on True, Jared. Caldor Droid. Brian. Bye. Don't tell me you don't like girls.